0: Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks for your word. We want to be a church of the word of God. We are a church of the word of God. And we want to thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to thank you, Father. We'd like to be. We want to make sure that we have the knowledge, as it were, like the tribe of Issachar that you spoke of, who have knowledge of the times, so that we might know what to do. Father, you said categorically that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that He would guide us into truth. You call Him the Revelator that he would reveal to us anything and everything that the Father showed Jesus. So I want to thank you afresh this morning, Father, for the incredible joy of our salvation, but also for the incredible, well, severity of the earth that we're living in, just for what's going on. And in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you that we will allow the word of God to abide in us fully. We want the fullness of of the Holy Spirit, to be at work within our spirit. So we thank you, Father, that you cause our eyes to be open to see what you want us to see, our ears to be open to hear what you want us to hear, that we might indeed be a prepared people. So I continue to give you thanks, and I thank you for this word. I thank you that your word abides forever. You said not one, Jesus, you said not one jot or tittle of this word will fail. Thank you, Father, that every prophecy in this book has come to pass except the final one. I just give you praise for today, and I thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, once again, as much as I understand how to, I yield myself to you, and I ask you to please speak through me, guide me as to what to say, what not to say. Help me to form words well. Like you said in the book of Ezra, so that the people go away rejoicing because they have understanding. I praise you today, Father. I give you thanks. I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been teaching for two weeks on deception. I'm going to teach uh, again today, go a little bit further, and next week as well. Try to finish it up by then. But um, I I have a sense of urgency in me more than I can ever remember. I have a a sense of how incredibly important it is right now for each and every one of us. I really do pray that you will have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying in this hour. As I've said on the last few Sundays, you know, it's it is true. God's word says that in the last days that some of the very elect will be deceived. Is that right? The very elect. Very elect. It speaks of those who hold prominent positions. And uh, I, do, I get concerned because I don't well, I can't help it. It's what the Holy Ghost is working in me right now. I have this, this great sense of concern. I'm not worrying, <laughs> but I've got this deep concern over even some of our own people about how quickly we can be swayed away or seduced away into a place of complacency. Or quite honestly, let's, let's be honest, you know, there are people here today that came to church because it's kind of like what we do. And I keep hearing the words of Timothy, or Paul, rather, to Timothy when he talks about the fact, he says, you know, you need to continue to rekindle the fire. He said, you got to keep flanning the flame, fanning the flame. You need to stir up the embers. You need to be alive. You need to keep this thing quickened. And it's just that in these last days, I mean, all oh, there's so many scriptures, so many places God warns us over and over and over and over and over again about how the love of many will wax cold, of how this will become boring, that serving the King of Kings will become boring to some people. People will forever be, as again it says in Timothy, having itching ears. They just want to go from one place to another. They're never planted anywhere. And you know what the scripture says about that. It says, planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish. You have to get planted somewhere. If you don't want, if you don't want to be planted here, find some place where you want to be planted. But for God's sake, would you get planted somewhere so that you can actually hear the word of God, so that you'd actually adhere to it, make the decisions to live by it, Because I mean I'm not the one that's guaranteeing it. I just have this concern. Like I said, Scripture is very clear. It says that so many people they're just gonna it's just gonna become boring. It's gonna wax cold. Oh church, what are we doing this weekend? In other words, Jesus Christ, the gospel of the Lamb of God becomes like some secondary issue. It's a it's an attachment. It's not our life and you know, we don't apologize for that here. We've made the decision, at least my, I have and my wife have, we've made our decision to abide in this, to live in this. Because this is where the life comes from. So I've been going through all manner of descriptions about deception. And I've talked to you about things, you know, the people are getting pulled aside by little popular issues or What I mean is something that's a little trippy here or unique here or something. They're getting pulled away. And all through Scripture, again, Paul keeps warning us about, be careful what you keep getting pulled away to. And like I shared last week, I said one thing you have to ask yourself, whatever it is that you get incredibly interested in, you have to ask yourself the question, does it produce nearness to one another or does it produce distance from one another? In other words, whatever it is that you're listening to, whatever it is you're reading, because you do remember what you hear, faith does come by hearing So whatever you're consistently hearing, I guarantee you, faith is growing. And you have to be careful who you hear. That's what the Bible said. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. Because, again, hearing is a spiritual gateway. And you have to be aware of it. And there's just all manner of deceptions that are out there, like I said. Whether it be we could go from a million different directions. We could talk about just the deceptions that are in the earth or the power of hell itself to deceive. He is a deceiver. I mean, that's what he called the deceiver. There are all kinds of people, if we were to go through it from a psychological vantage point, I was sharing with Julie just this morning for a moment, I said we could talk about how to recognize sociopathic behavior. You know, there's all different kinds of issues where there are people that will just lead you astray if you allow them to lead you astray. And all we can keep doing is saying the same thing in one area, but that's what causes a lot of people to, quote, get bored because they're hearing the same thing. The moment you get bored of hearing God's word, you're in trouble. You are on the first stages of a backslidden life. I didn't say that. Charles Wesley said that. John Wesley said that. And so did out, uh, Charles Finney. He said, the, he said, the Christian walk, he said, Charles, uh, Finney, the evangelist said, the Christian walk is what, like walking uphill on a shale-covered, S-H-A-L-E, on a shale-covered mountain. It's like you're slipping. you kind of slipping. He said, but the thing is about this Christian walk, the moment you stop you actually begin to slide back a little bit. This is a pursuit. But anyhow, it's just, so I want to just read some scriptures and go back to it. And again, I just really, really don't want, I feel like I have this thing on me right now, but I want to be a good shepherd as far as being a pastor. I, I don't want to leave my people unprepared. I want, you know me, most of you know me, I want you full of joy. I want you full of the revelation of the grace of God, absolutely. But again, remember, the Bible says there's a divine balance in anything. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And there is a just weight. And God speaks of the difference. Jesus said, behold, the goodness. Or Paul said, behold, the goodness and the severity. Behold, the goodness and the severity of the Lord. So i turn to Hebrews 3 real quick. Last week, I just made mention of, of what it meant to harden your heart. But I just want to read this afresh. This is Hebrews chapter 3 from the Amplified Bible. And just so it's in context, I'm going to start in verse 5, Hebrews 3, verse 5. It says, And Moses certainly was faithful in the administration of all God's house, but it was only as a ministering servant. In his entire ministry, he was but a testimony to the things which were to be spoken, the revelations to be given afterward in Christ. But Christ the Messiah was faithful over his own house, his own father's house, As a son and a master of it. And it is we, it is we, us in this building, it is we, I just like saying that, someone keeps saying it. (laughs) it is we who are now members of this house. If we hold fast, if we hold fast and firm to the end, our joyful, an exultant confidence, and a sense of triumph in our hope in Christ. Hallelujah. He said you got to hold fast and firm to the end, this joyful and exultant confidence and the sense of triumph that's in our hope in Christ. You have to hold it fast. Like I said in Hebrews and in other places, it said let us fear lest we let any of these promises slip. The Bible speaks of us as all being vessels that have small holes in them. And he speaks about the pressure of what it means, just living in this life, the pressure that before you realize it, even though you had the fullness of God, the pressure of this life just slowly but surely causes your vessels to leak until you become down, despondent, discouraged, and just flat out fed up, no joy, no happiness, no freedom whatsoever. Now, you've got to hear me. When you begin to work with people and you counsel people, when you're in ministry, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that go on in every church. And I've been pastoring pastors for at least 20 years myself, other pastors of other churches. It doesn't take long to talk to somebody to to realize or recognize whether or not they are in the Bible. You understand? If you see people that are constantly depressed, always have a bad report, always freaked out about this, always freaked out about that. Now this isn't a condemnation, it's just observation. You can't, the thing is you can't, you can't stay <clears throat> in the presence of God. You can't spend time fellowshipping face-to-face in the scriptures, which is what Paul said we do in Corinthians. You can't do that and not come out feeling okay. There's a confidence, there's a peace that you carry, there's a strength about you. And it's not your own strength. It's the strength that's a conviction of the one in whom you believe. You have this revelation of Christ in me, the hope of glory. I fear no death any longer. The death has lost its sting. The grave has lost its victory. I'm alive in Christ. I know my future is secure. I mean, at The Chosen, you know, that's what Graham Cook spoke about so much. To the, just a revelation of knowing that we are loved by the creator of all heaven and earth. He loves us to the extent that it's absolutely mind-blowing. It's still somehow some way people fall out of love. If and the question is were they ever really in love with God. And again this is not to condemn but it's a checkpoint you have to look. And I got to tell you like I said these are the last days. I've got a couple of things and this prophecy thing I'm going to read in a minute that I think that you need to hear. You need to be aware. Like I said we you know, you've heard me talk about the 6000 years from Adam to then, da, 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 and how we're in the last The very last according to whosoever you read it. But let me keep reading for a bit. Verse 6 again. But Christ the Messiah was faithful over his own father's house as a son and master of it. And it is we who are now members of this house. If we hold fast and firm to the end. Our joyful and exultant confidence. And a sense of triumph. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbors and say I'm carrying a sense of triumph in my life. Everywhere I go. I'm a, I am have the victory. I am an overcomer. Verse 7 says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says. Now, even right there, I've got to tell you, God's word is God's word. But when God's word quotes the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you need to be extra diligent to listen. And he says, today, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, verse 8, do not harden your hearts, as happened in the rebellion of Israel and their provocation and embitterment of me in the day of testing when they were in the wilderness, where your fathers, listen to this, where your fathers tried my patience, they tested my forbearance, and you know what? They found out I stood their test. (laughs) And they saw my works for 40 years. And so I was provoked, displeased, and sorely grieved with that generation. And I said, they always err and are led astray. Where? They always err and they're led astray. Where? They always err and they're led astray in their hearts. And they have not perceived or recognized my ways. And they've not become progressively better and more experimentally. And intimately acquainted with them. Verse 11, accordingly, I swore in my wrath and indignation, they shall not enter my rest. Now is this New Testament or Old Testament? Accordingly, I swore in my wrath and indignation, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 12, therefore, beware, brethren, really listen to this verse. This is the pastor's responsibility. This is part of, of what it means to lead people when it comes to the things of God. You've got to share both sides of the camel. <laughs> Therefore, beware, brethren, take care, lest there be in any one of you a wicked. Now, the word wicked is interesting. When you study the word wicked in the Greek and the lexicons, the word wicked literally means twisted. It means something that had been straight that's been twisted. In other words, you were on the straight and narrow, but something came along that caused you to get twisted. That's wicked. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, beware, take care, brethren, lest there be in any one of you, lest there be in any one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart, which refuses to cleave to, to trust in, and rely on him that that leads you to turn away and desert or stand aloof from the living God. Now, in my Bible, that's what I I wrote, uh, underwrote that one passage where it said, and stand aloof. He said, beware. And I'm going to read the rest of it in just a moment. But he said, beware in case there's anyone among you. Now, this is New Testament. This is Paul talking to believers in Jesus Christ. And yet he's still saying, you need to be very careful that you don't develop a hard heart. A heart that is, you recognize a hard heart or a hardened spirit, a hardened heart, by virtue of how people begin, I just like that one phrase, they begin to stand aloof, kind of to the side. I come to church on Sundays, surely that's enough. But I said, the rest of my week, it's mine. He said, brethren, beware. Beware there's that attitude. There's a verse that keeps striking me in Matthew 6, 23, where you don't have to put it up, but Jesus is speaking. He said, if the light that is in you is darkness, how dense is that darkness? And you know, I never really understood that verse. But as I was praying over, the Lord showed me, he said, you know, light, in other words, that which you're allowing to guide your path, the light, that which you're following, that which you have accepted as correct, that which you've seen as light. And he said, see this whole thing about believing a lie again, Thessalonians. If you believe a lie, said that last week again, you know, if you believe a lie, it's truth to you. And you'll live your life by what you've accepted as truth. But again, the issue always comes back to what perspective? How do you you define truth? We in the household of God have made the decision that God's word is truth. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. They are truth. The truth is what will keep you throughout eternity. Every day you are faced with opportunities to live by the truth or by another voice. Do you hear me? But I want to read it again. He said, Beware, brethren, take care, lest there be in any one of you a wicked, a twisted, an unbelieving heart, which refuses to cleave to, to trust in and rely on him, that leads you to turn away, desert or stand aloof from the living God. Verse 13, here's what he tells us to do, every one of us in here. But instead, warn, admonish, urge, encourage one another once a year. Instead, warn, admonish, urge, Encourage one another every day as long as it is called today. Why? That none of you may be hardened into settled rebellion. By what? By the deceitfulness of sin, by the fraudulence, by the strategies, by the trickery, which, what's the next three words? The delusive glamour. But instead, warn, admonish, urge, encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today, Then none of you may be hardened in settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin, by the fraudulence, the stratagem, the trickery, which the delusive glamour of his sin may play on him. Verse 14, For we have become fellows with Christ. And university in the highest seats, Oxford, Cambridge, what have you? They have people that become fellows, fellow of the Royal Academy of Medicine, and so on. People that have proven themselves; they've been in the right position. This is the similar language that's being spoken here. He said, "For we have actually become fellows with Christ. We are in a very, very exclusive body of people. You hear me? Every single one, every single one of you, need to really, really reverence and respect the body that you're part of." It is a big deal to be in the body of Christ. (laughs) I said it's a very big deal to be in the body of Christ. It is nothing to be ashamed of. And you know what Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not ashamed of this. But there's people in this room right here that just, they do, they stand aloof from the things of God. It's not that big of a deal. It's just kind of something we do. It actually kind of bores me. I get tired. I'm going to tell you something. You can't live by the faith of your pastor either, can you? Every single one of us have our own opportunity. It's not by calling, but whether or not you have a pulpit calling or not. Every single one of us have a responsibility to be before the Lamb of God, to be before the living God. But again, he talks about the delusive glamour of his sin. Now, the moment you say sin, you may think of something really you know, bad, 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 adultery, whatever. But remember the word sin, remember, that at its root, the Greek word is hamartia, H-A-M-A-R-T-I-A. It simply means it's an archery term. Remember, it means to miss the mark. You've missed the bullseye. You've missed the target. And so he's just saying <clears throat> there's a false glamour out there. Sin, <clears throat> the error. Of the day, the stuff that's out there in the world right now, you, you know, I don't, I think I said this last week as well, I don't teach on demons much. But the first thing Jesus said, remember, is that you will cast out devils in my name. There are devils. You do know that, right? There are spirits everywhere whose job it is to influence you. One way or the other. There's a pull. There's a pull on you. There's a pull on your flesh at times. There's a pull on your mind to think the wrong things. We all know that, don't we? And that's why, again, you have to understand the weapons of your warfare. You know, you have, you could, there's so many things to be taught through this stuff. You have, this is why you need to know about the armor of God. You need to know these things because you do have a deceiver that's out there, doing his utmost to make this stuff, the very word of God, just some, something that we open up maybe on Sundays because that's kind of what we do. You know, that's just what we do. <sighs> for we have become fellows with Christ the Messiah and we share in all he has for us, If only we hold our first newborn confidence and original assured expectation in virtue of which we are believers firm and unshaken to the end. Then while it is still called today, if you would hear his voice and when you hear it, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the desert. When the people provoked and irritated and embittered God against them, for who were they who heard? And you've got to hear this because a lot of people in theology today and I know I'm going to get in trouble right here but I'm not I'm not I'm a, I want you to make up your own opinion now my life message is still the love of God my life message is still blood covenant that's a thing I hold too stronger than anything I remember when my son Jamie when he first left to go to Bible College in Chicago he wasn't there four months until he sent me a fax I cracked up he got a fax dad. What do you think about once saved, always saved? The question, the question that has echoed through the halls of seminaries throughout the earth forever and ever and ever. You'll have 15,000 incredible theologians on one side of that question, and you'll have another 15,000 of just, just as strong theologians on the other side of, yourself, of, of that argument. I always like what Brother Hagen used to say. When he was asked, "What do you think about once saved, always saved?" He said, "I never think about it because I'm saved. I don't. I'm not thinking about being unsaved." But I would ask you to study the scriptures. I'm not trying to frighten anybody. I'm trying to help you be secure because of the day that's rapidly approaching. Again, I don't want to quote 4 billion statistics about the chip being in You know, we've made mention of it, but that stuff really is happening in our generation. You know, I'm going to actually, I'm going to go ahead and read this prophecy now. I was uh, watching John Hagee this morning. I like to watch him sometimes in the morning. On Sunday mornings, I watch some of his stuff. One of these days, like I said, he'll learn to preach. But uh, when I was at Rhema... Bob Yandy and Dr. Bob Yandy taught us a little bit about the prophecy of Rabbi uh, Ben Samuel, Rabbi Ben Samuel. He was a Talmudic uh, scholar in Germany back in the 13th century. And they taught us about this prophecy way back then. I hadn't, I just totally forgotten about it. And then he mentioned it this morning, made this thing. And this, this guy, Rabbi Ben Samuel, he died in 1271, the year 1271. He was, like I said, one of the most accredited, strong rabbis of his time. He was thought mighty. He was, everybody thought mighty of this man. He was an incredible scholar, and he was a mathematician. And so he really dug into things. And In fact, in the Jewish thing, what I was reading this morning again when I went back up, because I wanted to be sure of something. They call, I forget the word in Hebrew, but a secure to something. But anyhow, secured to calculations. It's about the book of calculations. But anyhow, he wrote this prophecy out just before he died, and he said, I don't want anybody to read it until I die. And I I just want to share this with you, because again, now, how many of you, nobody nobody knows the actual day Christ is going to return? We don't. But the Bible does say we can know the season. But anyhow, he was a top Talmudic scholar in Germany just before he died in 1217. He wrote out this prophecy. He said, within 300, he said, in 300 years the Turks, the Ottomans, would invade Jerusalem for eight jubilees. They would be there for eight jubilees, a jubilee is 50 years. And he walked through them, and in this 1271, he went through the Hebraic calendar and came to the, again, calculation that that was the end of one of the 50 years, the jubilee, the one of the 50 years, like Julie goes through the Hebraic calendar, what have you. But anyhow, 300 years later, on the exact day, The Ottomans, the Turks, they come in, they overwhelm Jerusalem, and they rule Jerusalem for 400 years. Just like he said, he said for eight jubilees, they will be there. Now this guy, again, he prophesied this 300 years before. Then he said this. Let me see where I want to read to make sure. The Ottoman Turks did take control of Jerusalem 300 years after his death. And in 1517, as according to the prophecy, the Ottoman Turks then lost Jerusalem. Listen to this 400 years to the day after the Turks had taken it, the Turks lost Jerusalem by the invasion of the British and the Allied forces in 1917. The rabbi then went on to say that after eight jubilees, there was going to be a ninth jubilee, a 50 year period, where Jerusalem would be a no man's land. Now, i got to read up here in this one part. The rabbi also prophesied that during the ninth jubilee, Jerusalem would be a no man's land. This is exactly what happened from 1917 to 1967 due to the fact that the Holy Land was placed under British mandate in 1917 by the League of Nations that later became the United Nations. And literally, Jerusalem belonged to no one. It was a no man's land. That's actually what they called it. It said Even after Israel's war of independence in 1948 to 49, Jerusalem was still divided by a strip of land running right through the heart of the city, with Jordan controlling the eastern part of the city, Israel controlling the western part of the city. That strip of land was considered and even called no man's land by both the Israelis and the Jordanians. It was called no man's land the whole time, that strip after that war. (laughs) So they were there from 1917. So anyhow, it was a no man's land for one jubilee from 1917 to 1967. At the end of that jubilee, 1967, guess what happened? Israel's six-day war. The six-day war where five nations came against little Israel and Israel whipped their butt in six days. Right? And he talked about, then he said, the rabbi's prophecy then stated that in the 10th jubilee from 1967, the next 50 years, that from the 10th jubilee, Jerusalem would be controlled by Israel, and then at the end of it, the Messianic time would begin. That brings us to the year 2017. Now, like I said, nobody but nobody can tell exactly what's happening. But you know, when you've got a God that prophesied 300 years before it happens, and to the day, to the day, to the day three times, you do begin to think, I mean, what I'm trying to do is I'm not trying to propagate any fear. There's too many fear mongers out there. But at the same time, God keeps telling me right now that some of us, I mean, all I got, all I have authority in is this church. But I'm telling you, I don't want you to be asleep. All through God's word, it says, awake unto righteousness, sin not. You know, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Awake, 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 awake. You know what Jesus said? He said when he does come, it's gonna be people are gonna be saying, No, nah, they're gonna be eating, and drinking, just like it was any other day. In other words, no big deal. I don't you gotta understand broad is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life. You and I are called to walk a very narrow path. I wanna be around other excited Christians. I simply want to be around other people who are excited about their faith. I don't want to be around people that are always berating this, always questioning that, always running off to some other issue because it's got their interest at the moment. You know what I mean? I don't care who says this about that and who says that. I just want to stick in the word of God. And I want to see what it really says. I want to stay away. I want to hide. I know that God's word is true. And I know that it said that Paul said, I know that he was a dude caught up in the third heaven, whether in their body or out of the body. He knew not. But I know that he had a revelation a whole lot deeper than Rod has. And I know that he said, you know, that as we continue to behold in this word, as in a mirror, the very face of Jesus Christ, that we will be transformed from one degree of glory to another. I want that. That's why I delight in this. I'm nobody special, but I've fallen in love with this word. This word is what healed me, blessed me, brought me out of the penitentiary, brought me across this world. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing that's done it for you, though, right? Same thing that pulled Julie out of the camp of where everybody wanted to be near the rock stars and what have you. And Julie kept hearing from the Holy Spirit saying, you know, (laughs) you're walking where my angels fear to tread. This is not where I want you. And people with all the money and what have you are trying to, like you heard me tell the story, all these guys in Rolls Royces are trying to marry her. I'd see the Rolls Royces drive up there in Hampstead when we were there before we, you know, before she really had the revelation that I was a man of God for her. But I mean, honestly, and this is why I admire my wife so incredibly much. She had all these guys, money, 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 cars, major jeweler in London, big house here, big house there, driving this, pulling up in these cars. And she said, babe, you just don't have what I want. I want, I will not be swayed. I will not be pulled away by a man. And you, women have to say, or men have to say the thing, I will not be pulled away by a woman just because of some outward worldly issue do they know the holy spirit life is too short right now you and i have been born for such a time as this for real for real See, don't it's got you listen everybody out there wants to poo poo your faith you know what i mean they want to say don't be don't be so radical you don't want to be you're too extreme you're too this that and, you know, just say goodbye to them honestly they're going to cripple your future. I'm sorry, but if you hang on to it that much, if you really don't know how to discern the difference between that and the other stuff, they will cripple your future. If you align yourself, the Bible—I could teach that whole six-hour series on wrong alliances. Be very, very careful who you hook up with. Be very, very careful who you lock, horn, lock arms with and who you walk in agreement with. It'll—it'll it'll dictate your future. I mean, what, what if what if this old fellow from 1271 was right? What if each of his prophecies have come true to the day? I mean, you can study out. There's always people that poo-poo this stuff as well, but I mean, you, you know, you find what you look for. But the fact of the matter is, the Turks did come in exactly 300 years later. They did say exactly 400 years to the day. They did literally one jubilee after that get delivered back into the hands, or it was they were taken out of the hands of uh, the Turks, and it became a no-man's land for one jubilee, 50 years to the day. I mean, what do you do with stuff like that? And then 50 years from then, like I said, it's 1967, and that's the Six-Day War. And now, according to his prophecy, you know, like we're in the last jubilee, the last 50 years of that thing, where, where he says, and that ends somewhere in 2017. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to live my life by that because I live my life by this. But I'm telling you, if you live by, if you live by this, if, any, if you've got eyes to see and ears to hear, and you listen to what's going on out there, like I said, all this stuff about Islamophobia, all that, you know, everything, the gay agenda, I don't care what it is, man, I'm telling you, if you've got a pastor that stands up in the pulpit and tells you it's okay for two men to marry, he's inspired by a demon. Get out. Can I make it any simpler than that? If I offend you, God bless you. See you later. Don't let the doorknob hit you where the dog should have bit you. <laughs> Honestly, it's the truth. And yes, we will be persecuted for standing up for the truth. But I know one thing: I'm planning on going to heaven. But I read this book, and I don't like what it says in some places where it talks about this. You can heart. Let me just finish these last few two, three scriptures here in Hebrews three. Verse 16, he received, For who were they who heard and yet were rebellious and provoked him? Was it not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Well, you understand, Egypt is a type of the world, remember. Moses is a type of Christ. He's saying, listen, those people, who were the ones that hardened their heart and died outside of the promise? Those who came out of Egypt, that were led by Moses. Well, we've come out of the world led by Jesus Christ. Right? Verse 17, and with whom was he irritated and provoked and grieved for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose dismembered bodies were strewn and left in the desert? Verse 18, and to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest? And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest? But to those who disobeyed, who had not listened to his word, and who refused To be compliant or be persuaded. Verse 19. So we see something. We see that they were not able to enter into his rest because of their unwillingness to adhere to, to trust in, and rely on God. But look at that last phrase in the Amplified Bible. Unbelief had shut them out. You do understand... Any way you look at it, unbelief shuts you clean out of the promises of God. And all I'm trying to say is influences, 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 influences. Who are you being influenced by? What are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching? To what do you give the most time? To what do you renew your mind to day after day after day? Will you have the persevering spirit, the steadfast heart, the established heart that will be necessary in the day of trouble? I mean bigger trouble than you could ever comprehend. Will you be one of those who will be right there in the middle of that day and see the power of the living God manifest? Or will you be one of those that are so sidetracked by peripheral issues that you miss the whole trip? You miss the whole journey. I cannot make anybody in here be diligent or be hungry. Hungry? Hunger can't be taught. You just can't teach spiritual hunger. And I'm not, you know, I'm not in the business of condemning anybody, but I'm telling you, you're either hungry or you're not. But there's a holy fear on me right now. Even, I mean, like I said, from my own position, for what God's called me to do. I don't want him to look at me and say, you didn't prepare the people. All you did, wonderfully, you teach them about the grace and the joy and the love, wonderfully, but don't forget to teach them about the deceit that comes in so many you know lest that when you really study that verse out lest the very elect be deceived i mean the very elect turn back to second timothy chapter 2 now again second timothy chapter 2 there's just so much i could share on this stuff from so many different angles i don't want to freak you out but i do want to freak you out if you've got a, a passivity, you've heard me say this before as well, but like my old teachers taught me years ago, they said the number one way <clears throat> that you can recognize a religious demon is by passivity in the church. Think of that, where there's this passivity, just kind <clears> of <throat> what will be will be. And you know, I'm not trying to be melodramatic, but this guy named Jesus that we talk about, you remember his name? Anybody remember him? You know what it says in the book of Revelations? What does it it say about lukewarm people? (laughs) The Lord we serve, I I love the way they describe him in that one passage. He's a fire from the loins up and he's a fire from the loins down. I just love to close my eyes and I, I, I try my best to picture he's a fire these writers, these old prophets they had these visions they saw what was in heaven and they're trying to find words to describe and all, the, all he can say is I, 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 it's just fire it's just fire it's fire going up it's fire going down it's just fire i got to tell you, if there's anything that we know about this Jesus, he's a hot individual. (laughs) And see, the thing is, guys, it's worth it. I said it's worth it to serve him. I remember in the old days, oh, man, I don't want to give up smoking pot. I don't want to give up this because the devil has lied to you for so long. You think there's a something in us. See, that's what frightens me about people. Like when Jesus again said, "If that li- if the light in you be dark, how dense is that darkness?" There's something. In fact, I forget. Actually, I was thinking about this morning, but actually, I had a couple of quotes. And um, see if I can find this one quote this guy said about just what must be in there in the first place. Trying to see. Oh yeah, this guy named Andrew Storm, preacher. He said this. He said many deceptions only appeal to us because there's something inside us already that wants to believe them. He said they're seductive, these things are seductive because of darkness and wrong motives in our own lives. This is why we must search our own hearts and root these things out. You are vulnerable to lies and deceptions when you don't know the facts or when the situation is fuzzy, or when you want badly to believe a lie. and We need to recognize that the Bible says to test the spirits and warns very strongly that the last days will be a time of seducing spirits and great deception. Seducing spirits and great deception. Now, forgive me, I'm doing an expository teaching. I know I'm doing a bunch, I'm to, but I'm going to still read what I can. I just want you to see again, you know, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, like I said, they're pastoral epistles. Anybody that's in ministry needs to be reading these every week. I probably, I do, I, without trying to sound like I'm some. I read particularly every week. I make sure I read 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus and Ephesians because it just keeps feeding my spirit. Anybody that's in any position needs to constantly look into these things. But um, I'm going to start at verse 1 of 2 Timothy 2. So you, my son, be strong, strengthened inwardly in the grace, the spiritual blessing that is to be found only in Christ Jesus. And the instructions which you have heard from me, along with many witnesses, transmit and trust as a deposit to other reliable and faithful men who will be competent and qualified to teach others also. Remember that verse Talk about a lot, that's one of the verses Dr. Cole used to beat into us. It says, you know, that you commit responsibility to faithful men who shall be able. And where churches have made mistakes so many times, they so just wanted somebody to play the drums or somebody to be an usher, that they placed somebody there that wasn't faithful, hoping that they'd be able. The Bible says you look for faithful people. He said, commit, commit to faithful people who shall be able. If a person's faithful, the abilities will begin to multiply. That's what it's about. And again, we've made mistakes because we've committed to able people, hoping they would become faithful. Just looking for anybody. And the instruction which you have heard from me, along with many witnesses, transmit in trust as a deposit to reliable and faithful men who will be competent and qualified to teach others. Take, verse 3, take with me your share of the hardships and the sufferings which you are called to endure as a good first class soldier of Christ Jesus. I always remember people saying, I want to be in the ministry. I want to be in the ministry. I want to be in the ministry. And they have no idea what really comes with the ministry. They have no idea what. The stuff, the strategies that come against you, the, the, the stronger the position, the higher the position, the more stuff that comes, the more junk that comes. The criticism, constant criticism. If I was him, I would have done this. If I was him, I would have done that. Why don't they do this more? Why don't they do that more? I'm going to tell you, there is no pastor, there is no man in any position that has the whole game. This is why God says we need it all. We, have, we are a team. The first thing Jesus did was find 12 men. That's one of the patterns. You know, you find other men who will be faithful. And then together we go at this, together. This is why you can't have your eyes on one person. You've already blown it, if that's the case. We have our eyes on Christ Jesus. Remember, we're not converted to church, but we're after people being converted to Christ. It's not just churchgoers, it's Jesus followers that we're trying to strengthen more and more. No soldier, verse 4, when in service gets entangled in the enterprises of civilian life, his aim is to satisfy and please the one who enlisted him. Hallelujah. And that's Jesus of Nazareth for me. And if anyone enters competitive games, he's not crowned unless he competes lawfully. Right? Right? Some people always want to get outside the lines. It's okay for me. I've got such a strong anointing when I pray for the sick that I can mess around with another woman on the side. I can use a little dope over here. This is just study church history, especially, you know, our generation, the generation past. That's the story of Jack Cove. That's the story of A.A. Uh, 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 a. Allen. That's the story of so many guys who had incredible giftings. Their ministries were incredible. But their character had giant flaws in it that didn't show up for years to come. That's why, again, I always quote what Ed Cole said. He said, you've got to understand fame can come in a moment like fireworks. Everybody goes, wow, look at what's happening there. Fame can come in a moment, but greatness comes with longevity. Will you still be there 20 years from now? Or are you going to hop from one place to another? hop, 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 hop. Going to find... Do you have itching ears? I just want something different. 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 And if anyone enters competitive games, he's not crowned unless he competes lawfully, fairly, according to the rules laid down. Verse 6, it is the hardworking farmer. It's interesting how the Bible talks about work. (laughs) I want to be in the ministry. When I was a mailman, believe it or not, I was a postman in America for a year and a half, too. And when I was a mailman, it was really funny. When you got into the poorest, the most... The poorest downtrodden poverty area of my hometown. About every third mailbox is Reverend so and so. Reverend so and so. Because of all the people who were lazy that decided to become a Reverend because they didn't think then they'd never have to work. Seriously, they were a Reverend. Reverend, 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 because they just got up, maybe they had a little gift of communication. Or they knew how to whoop, ha, ha, you know, whoop, 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 do all that stuff. You know what I mean? And get everybody stirred up and emotionally crazy. And people would give some money to it. You know? But it's it's a trip when you think about it. Every third mailbox was reverend somebody. I remember, well, you know, I was a Christian. Then I'd just gotten saved. I remember going, this is really something about this is funky. <laughs> I don't like this. It's the hardworking farmer who labors to produce who must be the first partake of the fruits. But listen now what Paul begins to say from verse 7 onward. I'm going to read the rest of the whole chapter then we'll close. Think over these things I am saying. Understand them and grasp their application for the Lord will grant you full insight and understanding in everything. Constant, I love this verse. This first statement of verse 8 is something that every minister of Jesus Christ has to have tattooed across their forehead. In their mind, they're thinking tattooed about. This is what separates us from every faith on planet Earth. What makes us different? Constantly keep in mind, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. In other words, we have a resurrected Lord. Did you hear me? There's no other king, no other god, no other faith in the planet Earth who whose leader died and rose from the dead, but ours. And he says, Constantly, 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 keep in mind Jesus Christ the Messiah is risen from the dead as prophesied as the prophesied king, descended from David according to the good news of gospel that I preach. Verse nine for that gospel listen to what Paul says. I'm suffering affliction, I'm even wearing change, change like a criminal. But you know what? The word of God's not chained. it's not imprisoned. You And you see, some preachers say this, maybe to, to reap a little hallelujah from the congregation. But you see, you and I are in the generation where we will, some of us, will go to jail. I'm not that old yet. I may look like the ancient of days. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I mean like what I already said earlier, the whole thing about the gay issue, what have you. I cannot... I cannot, it's not that I'm trying to be spectacular, or but I mean I can't, Peter wouldn't either, Peter wouldn't, Ann wouldn't, Bobby wouldn't, Angela wouldn't, I know Julie wouldn't, what I mean is, there are some of us in this room that will go to jail, because we're in that day, you have no idea how fast it's happening, you really, 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 really don't understand how fast it's happening. Just the last ten years, my God, what's going to happen in the next ten years? Like I said, much less 2017. Whatever I don't know what. Much less this next month, September and October. Like I said, there's all this incredible um, Hebraic and Judeo stuff that's all everything. These calendars that are all merging in the uh, in the last half of September and the first half of October. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not an intellectual about that. But I mean, like I said. If you read the book, if you're a person of prayer, I mean, I don't want anybody to be condemned, but if you spend any time in prayer, you know something's happening. You know, my God, there's, and you're trying to figure it out with your mind, and you can't. <laughs> Come on, I wanna... You know, I'm trying, but you can't figure it out. This is why I have to keep going here, because he said, be of good cheer. In the midst of all this crap, just be of good cheer, right? Hold fast, keep your faith, be strong. Be full of joy because joy is a weapon. Be full of praise. Praise is a, it is a tool of war. See, that's the other thing. Why part of our whole vision is the music and the message and the mission that thing, music people don't understand. Our praise and worship is a weapon of war. It's a weapon of war. The tribe of Judah always went first. I mean, when you got 25,000 Syrians out there all trained on chariots and horses and stuff, and, you know, and then Rod says, okay, God says, send them out. But the first people I want you to go send the worship team out. That's what it was. They sent the worship team out to be the front line. You have to understand. That's the way it's our, you know, at home, worship the Lord. Put on these albums. Listen to God. Sing unto God. Des read the scripture. Sing unto God. Or rather, be filled with the Spirit. Singing to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. It's it's something that begins to happen. You're going to need that. Yes. Paul and Silas, they were you know think picture picture them being dragged and chained, thrown into the darkest part of the I mean the darkest deepest part of the prison. It says thrown in there chained, no lights whatsoever. But again, and you know the verse, but I mean it really 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 happened. No big deal. They're singing at the midnight hour. Hallelujah, God to God be the glory. To God be the glory. <laughs> They're just singing down there and they're in chains. They're in You'd have to read what those things were like. <laughs> they were in a lot of nasty stuff, you know. And everybody, and they weren't quiet because it says all the other prisoners heard them. It's, well, what kind of an attitude do these guys have? I mean, you know, and it's, it's true. If somebody says something wrong about you, and <laughs> my feelings are hurt. I'm never going to that church again. I don't like any of They didn't sing my song. They didn't comment on my tie. <laughs> you know, you, God Almighty, you know, you just honestly, some people, that's why I don't do a whole lot of counseling anymore. Because I'm not as sweet as I used to be. Get thee out. Get thee hence. Goest thou before thy experience of the hand of rod? <laughs> Honestly, we get bothered and offended by such little stuff, it has nothing but nothing but nothing to do with eternity. Give us, give yourself a break, man. Seriously, give yourself a break. I love that's why I loved about Graham's that part of his message. You know, I, I, you, where you're so you have so much peace with God that it's eh what the, did they actually say that about you oh they may have so what when in the old days I would have plotted <laughs> oh yeah I know what I'll do I know what I'll do first I'm going to tell 14 people about them maybe 15, 16 I'm going to gather a group around me so they all hate him as much as I do You know, God's up there going, I send my son, love incarnate, love faced the devil himself and the defeat was firm and solid forever. Anyhow, verse 9, for that gospel I am suffering affliction and even wearing chains like a criminal, but the word of God is not chained. Don't you love that? See, the word of God is eternal. It just keeps on trucking. But the word of God is not chained or imprisoned. Therefore, can you say this? Therefore, I'm ready. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready to persevere and stand my ground with patience and endure everything for the sake of the elect God's chosen so that they too, see what you do affects others, so that they too might obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with the reward of an eternal glory. The saying is true and worthy of confidence, folks. If we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure we shall also reign with him. If we deny and disown and reject him, he will also deny and disown and reject us. But if we are faithless and do not believe and are untrue to him, he remains true, faithful to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. Remind the people, this is what I'm doing right now. Remind the people of these facts and solemnly charge them in the presence of the Lord to avoid petty controversy. Did you hear me? Pettiness. Pettiness. Just stuff, just junk. Charge them to avoid petty controversy over words, which does no good, but it upsets and undermines the faith of the hearers. Study. Everybody say study. Study. You know, I, was, I wasn't going to say this publicly because wonderful Mike and Sheila Berman here in the front, you know, when we were at the barn this last week after Chosen. I mean, I love you, Mike. I really do. But, you know. Many people. There was the lost and found section, and one of the Bibles there was Mike Berman's, and he's not even noticed that it's gone. But <laughs> no, I know, no, he's got another one. I know. <laughs> but I said I was. I told Julie, I said I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell him. About, I'm gonna tell him about this in front of everybody. And Julie, Don't you do that? You'll offend him. I said. Now nah, he's got another Bible, but I still want to say it. I Thank you. Lo- <laughs> lost and found. I mean, how many of you? See, it it's condemnation. You think, isn't it? But you do, because I know, I used to, you go for a week, you could go for a month without opening the Bible, especially now media, it's on the screen. I don't need to bring no Bible to church. It's on my smartphone. Well, I don't mind if you have a smartphone as long as you're a smart man and not a smart aleck. You know what I mean? As long as you're reading the living word of God. But I don't know if you understand this. This Bible is your wisdom it's what's going to keep you. And Paul said, deliver you out of all kinds of stuff. And let me finish. I'm sorry. Remind the people, verse 14, of these facts. Solemnly charge them in the presence of the Lord to avoid petty controversy over words, which does no good, but upsets and undermines the faith of theirs. Study. And be eager to do your utmost, to present yourself to God Approved. Somebody has been tested by trial. I mean, you've gone through it and you still believe God. You hear me? You don't worry about the questions. Rod, you're a teacher of faith. Rod, you've had a lot of healings at your hand. Is that true? Yes, it is. Rod, why didn't God just heal you, give you a brand new liver? Why didn't he just heal your liver? Why did you have to go through liver surgery? I don't know. I don't care. you understand me? I don't care. But see, even that, this is why people understand prayer in and of itself can become idolatry. You can have prayer idols all in the name of faith, its works. There has to be a peace that's within you that works way, 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 way beyond where you come to the place you say, all I know is I've got God in me, God on me, God on my side. It's cool. Hallelujah. All I know is my job is not done. I'm sticking around, like I said, to irritate a whole lot, a bunch, a whole just tons more people. There's tons of people I need to irritate. But study, be eager to do your utmost, to present yourself to God, somebody that's been approved, tested by trial. A workman? I mean a workman. Work. Everybody say work. Has anybody in here ever experienced it? Anybody ever experienced work? A workman who has no cause to be ashamed. Somebody that's able to correctly analyze and accurately divide, rightly divide, balance... Rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Skillfully teaching the word of truth. This is why like expository teaching is so important. A lot of people just want to hear a great preach. There's all the difference in the world between hearing preaching and being taught the Bible. There are giant churches that are full because of incredible preaching anointings. But I'm one, and this is nobody, I'm not, listen, you can take it like you want to take it. I've had so many people come to me over the years who've been in churches for 25, 30 years. I always remember this one woman, Julie, can remember when I was in this Bible school, when I was heading up this Bible school and I was teaching about four months into the school. I really am trying to stop. I will be done, I promise. Peter, I'm only going to take two more minutes. I'll give you my One more minute? Okay. I'm teaching away, and this woman, she's... You know who I'm talking about. Fifty-some years old. And she comes to me. She's been in Church of England. long. Well, she comes up and she, she walks into my little office there at Kensington at the Oval. I have, we had our offices upstairs from St. Mark's Kennington. And I'm in there and she comes in and she takes my, her Bible on my desk and she goes, like that. And, you know, there's this woman. She goes, I'm angry. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, glory to God. What a wonderful opportunity I have. It's, what did I do wrong now? But she did. She says, I've been in church. Actually, 40 years. I've been in church 35 years. Why hasn't anybody taught me this stuff before? It's in the Bible. You've shown us. It's in the book. I've been in church for 35 years and never heard these things. I'm unhappy. (laughs) And I'm telling you, you talk about the pressure you're under. The people that aren't taught the book, but just celebrate the preach, what well, some of you are going to be the very salvation to those people, because you're going to have God's word, you're going to know what to do and when to do it, you're going to know what to say, you're going to have an unction from the Holy Ghost, and you'll need no man, you'll have no need that any man teach you, you'll have the word in due season. But a lot of them, you talk about us growing cold. They're not prepared. I'm not getting down on anybody. I'm just talking in general terms. Study, be eager. See, now, the, now Joseph's come up, so that means i got to stop. Because when Joseph comes up, that's it. The drummer's up here. People by Angela's probably behind me making faces that I can't see. Peter's rejoicing in the front row. Study, be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God, approved and tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly, correctly, Analyzing, accurately dividing, rightly handling, skillfully teaching the word of truth. Look at verse 16. Does everybody say avoid? But avoid all empty, vain, useless, idle talk, for it will do something. It will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their teaching will devour. It will eat its way like a cancer. The wrong place. Remember, i said it every one of these messages. A lie, the best, if it's a good, good lie, it's got good truth in it. Did you hear me? The more important the lie to the devil, the more truth he'll lace it with. This is why not only you must you be the student of the word, but you must be the Somebody that learns how to live from your spirit, not from your head. Their teaching will devour. It will eat its way like cancer and spread like gangrene. So it is with Hymenaeus and Philetus who have missed the mark and swerved from the truth by arguing that the resurrection is already taking place. They are undermining the faith of some. But verse 19, gosh, I can't. I've got to save the rest of this stone. But the firm foundation laid by God stands. Sure, unshaken bearing this seal and inscription. You know what, guys? The Lord knows those who are His. See, He knows, everybody in here, He knows if you're one of the ones that are sensitive to those promptings. The prompting. Not the knowledge, but the prompting of the Spirit. When your Spirit prompts you, you... You've learned to listen. But the firm foundation of laid by God stands sure and unshaken, bearing this seal and inscription: The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names himself by the name of the Lord give up all iniquity and stand aloof from it. Don't stand aloof from God. Amen. Well, Father, we give you thanks for this much. Begin to give him thanks for a moment. Father, we give you thanks in the name of Jesus just for the incredible truth that your word is. Father, my prayer, I love these people. I want them blessed coming in and blessed going out. And you want them blessed coming in and blessed going out much more than I do. I'm praying that you'll keep them from the evil one, even as Jesus prayed. That they would recognize that the devil does want to sift them like wheat. But we pray that their faith fail not. We pray that they will hear the voice of the good shepherd. That the voice of a stranger they will not obey. I pray again, Father, that they will not be led astray by clever and cunning arguments of the evil one. That they become entrenched to something that doesn't bring peace. That they get hooked up into something that only brings division that only causes them to want to leave the church. If your revelation, if you have a revelation that tells you need to go, you need to quit going to church, I'm here to tell you that revelation is from hell. But I thank you, Father, these people will be quickened by your Holy Spirit. They'll be made alive day by day by day by day by day. They'll be found hidden under the shadow of the Most High. So I bless our people. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Again, you're the teacher of the church, that you guide them into this, and you reveal, you're the revelator. I pray with everything that's in my gut that you would reveal to these people any twisted ways that they may all of a sudden say, wow, I've got myself aligned with something that isn't God. I pray for them that they'll confess their way out of that stuff and that they'll yield themselves 150% into the arms of a loving God. But we take heed to what the scripture says and we pray for one another that there be no evil heart of unbelief in any of us in the name of Jesus that we will not have hardened hearts that our spirit, our heart will be tender And when we hear your voice, we'll say, yes, Lord, and we'll come running. I mean, we'll come running. We'll come running to the voice of the Lamb of God, to the gentle one, to tender one, the lover of our souls. So I give you praise for that today, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I give you praise for this. I give you praise for this. I give you praise, Holy Spirit. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.